You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. Hey everyone, it's Candace and Cher with Processing Trauma Out Loud, and we are back to conclude a four-part series that we are doing on cultivating the trait of self-compassion. Cher, last week you named that it felt a little heavy, and and there was a heaviness to it. But I would I just want to say that we believe that this topic is so important because it is one of the main keys to experiencing healing. We will probably talk about self-compassion in some way in almost every episode. Before we begin today, I I just want to invite you to read a quote. Actually, we are beginning. I'm inviting you to read this quote at the beginning that will just kind of lead us into where we're going to go today in talking about how we, you know, how we develop self-compassion. And I think I want to just set it up by saying that Entering self-compassion is can also feel kind of like a bind because in order to experience self-compassion, we need tastes of love and compassion from others. Mm-hmm. But also in order to have love and compassion for others, we have to have self-compassion. So it's it's one of those situations where where does it start? How do we get there? How do we get the ball moving in a sense? But I love this quote by Kurt Thompson, where he is talking about the importance of community and how our connections with others in this environment of safety and love can just absolutely change our lives. Kurt Thompson said, when you build up deep safety with a few friends, you carry a sense of connectedness and strength wherever you go. They are embedded in your neural networks. Yeah. That's so good. And embedded in your neuro networks, which thankfully are not fixed. And we talked about that so much in part two of this series on self-compassion. And that is All of the stuff that we carry in our limbic brain, our deep beliefs, our perceptions, our experiences, our emotions. And what Kurt Thompson is saying in this quote is that when we experience safety in community with with one other or others, and they allow us to have experiences of love and connectedness, and that helps us heal our attachment wounds and helps move us toward a secure attachment with them, they become actually embedded in our neural networks, which means we are creating new neural pathways so that those old pathways that were written that determined our beliefs and our perceptions and all of that now can actually change and are being changed as we are having these new experiences. You had asked me when we were talking earlier about, I can't remember how you asked, but basically the process. And we we talked about that this happens bit by bit, day by day, year by year. And I said, it's like, there's this 
time where you're, it's like you're putting your foot in the water of experiencing compassion and love and it feels good. And yet it kind of scares you. So you pull back and you say, okay, is this real? Can I really trust it? Like you're going to be confronted with some of those perceptions and beliefs, but because it feels so good and so real, you develop the courage. Okay. I'm going to make this personal. I'm going to show up again on Zoom with these women that I don't really know. But there's something happening that is the courage to show up is there. And, you know, we just met as a group, our Pearls group, and we have fun talking about at times we we just like to talk about the story of how we develop trust for one another over time. It's the same with receiving love and receiving self-compassion and trusting it. To have experienced and being in the context of ongoing experiences with this group of women where we show up, we bring our stories of harm and suffering. We can say, I suffered deeply and we're met with care and kindness and people who are able to contain our stories and then move toward us. And yes, like you said, we love kind of just telling the story over and over of how the ways that one another have shown up for us has changed our lives. They are now, we passed this quote around in in our group over the last few days. They, you all are embedded in my neural networks. I am embedded in in yours. (laughs) That's how much impact we have had on one another's lives. Mm-hmm. And we pointed out that the, I don't know that, I don't want to say the difference, but it, it can make a difference. So you and I have both been in groups before and we've experienced a level of goodness. Not, not every situation we put ourselves in are trauma trained and informed people. It doesn't mean that we can't have goodness and experience goodness. But what we had talked about was we brought our deepest shame at times. And you know, for me, I I couldn't even hardly look at your faces. There is something about groups are good, but these groups are specifically for being able to tell the hard stories and then noticing that people don't go back or go silent. You know, sometimes we're a little silent because we're all just soaking it in, but it's, it's the eyes, it's the moving forward. And I will just say it's the tone. I'm telling you what tone of voice is so impressionable to me. And presence. It's it's the communication, whether it's with words or not, but like you're saying, eyes and tone, maybe even just a, a sigh. But that sense that someone is communicating, I'm with you. I heard your story. I am not running away. You are not too much for me. I will stay in this space with you. Yes, that makes me take a deep breath and just soak in the goodness of it. You know, there are times because we know each other's stories so well that, you know, one of us will be sharing. This just happened for me the other day. And it's like you don't want to interrupt, right? And and yet you begin to catch, ooh, they just kind of had a little bit of self-contempt over this. And so you kind of hold on to that as you begin to listen. 
And, you know, one, one thing that we'll often say is like, can we circle back around to something you said? I just noticed. And I, I love that because there's deep listening involved and you, you know, that the, the person or the people, how do I say this? They want to catch you in your places of shame and cover you with love. Yeah. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you said until the pain of staying the same or bumping into the same things becomes greater than the courage or actually the courage needs to become greater. How does that happen? Sometimes it's a mystery. I know for me, I began struggling and I'm like, I can't do this again. Like, I need help. And so I, I think it's easier for some people to move forward and ask for help. Let's just say that it's not that easy for you to move forward. This, this is not going to sound compassionate, but it actually is. I want to say, go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. Take, yeah. take deep breaths, maybe write about it, pray about it, but just even one person get outside of your comfort zone just a little bit. You you probably won't do that. Someone won't do that unless they have hit the point where they're just saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I was thinking that too, Candace, that as long as our addictions are working, as long as we can get a fix that brings the numbness so that we're not feeling the pain, we will stay stuck in those in those places. But when our addictions stop working and we start feeling the pain and we see a way out, we 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 feel like there's there's hope that our desires can actually be met. And here's what I want to just say is your desires for love can be met. It will take work. It will take courage. It will take trial. It will probably bring more pain. But but I mean here's the thing like most of us know how to deal with pain. We're mm. afraid of it, but we do know how to deal with it. So what I want to say is exactly what you're saying, Candace. Take the step, muster up your courage and take a step. And if you hit a wall, if the person you share with turns out to not be able to contain your story, don't give up. Find somebody else. In fact, like I can tell you, Candace, if I track back over the last 30 some years that I have been on my healing journey, I have read so many books. I have talked to so many people. I have tried so many different modalities and all of them were helpful in ways. I did not give up. I I don't know why. Something in me, I knew I had to find love. I have said it many times. The thing that could be said about my life is she searched for love. I mean, I have been a searcher of love and I knew it was there and I had to have it. And it did. It has brought pain in my life and it has caused struggles for me in some ways that have been really hard. But I knew I had to have it and I kept mustering up the courage and taking another step. And I am so glad that I did. What if art could help bring healing to the wounds from your complex childhood trauma? And what if healing could release and free your artistic expression? Click the link below to learn more about my new course called Art and Healing Beginning Watercolors. 
Yeah, I am so glad you did too. And I'm so glad that in your pursuit and my pursuit, we we ended up in the same group. I do want to give our listeners a few really practical things right now. And one is an organization that we recommend and highly trust. And that is, it's called So That, S-O-W-T-H-A-T.com. They have some great resources. Cher and I are coaches. We know other coaches. I often get people that come to me that I refer out to other people. If if we don't work with you, we are going to connect you. So even though you may not know us, we can get you connected in some way. If you don't feel like there's someone that you you can even reach out to, will you take a step and just go ahead and reach out to us through our email at CandiceShare at gmail.com? Yeah, because like like we talked about last week, Candice, when we didn't get love in our developmental years, we don't know how to have self-compassion. We have to experience good, clean, pure love where people, where someone moves toward us in ways that can really help us find healing. As hard as it is to say it, you know, I, I think we, we want, we want it to, we, I wish it was just so readily available out there. Like just go find someone and talk to them and tell them your story and, and they will hold you and they will love you. And the truth is most people do not know how to contain stories of deep harm. And, and that's why Candace and I do, we, we, we so often recommend finding a story group or working with a trauma-informed coach or therapist because these are the people that can help you actually, they can hold your stories. They can, they can be with you in your places of deepest shame without turning away and bringing the goodness that we needed as children, bringing it now in ways that change us so that they actually become embedded in our neural pathways and the way we do life changes. I think all I have to say to that is amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's and I want to come back to just what you said at the beginning. And I think we can close with this. And that is just saying it is a process. And sometimes it can feel slow. It is bit by bit, step by step, year by year of trying and seeking and, and then maybe needing to find someplace else or someone else. And the thing that I will say to our listeners is, Don't stop seeking because finding healing in these places of our deep wounds so that we can develop self-compassion is so worth it, regardless of the time and the cost. Yes, very true. You know, this is our fourth episode in cultivating this trait of self-compassion. And like I said, we usually talk about it in some way in, in every episode, but you know, we want to hear from you. What has this series stirred up for you? Questions? Reach out to us on our Facebook page, Processing Trauma Out Loud, or our website, Processing Trauma Out Loud, and our email. We love it when we hear from people who are listening to the podcast. Yeah, good to be with you today, friend. So good to be with you, Candice. And uh, I'm glad you're in my neural networks. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm glad you're in mine. Love you, friend. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. 
One last thing. If you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.